This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is your 88 Films Slasher Classic Series of Reviews, this time looking at disc number 9. We're going to be tackling a little movie called X-Ray. Now, I know what you're thinking, disc number 9, how did that happen? How did that happen? We are almost at a landmark episode, disc number 10. I'm very much looking forward to getting there. To be honest, this front 9 has been a slog, but... I did enjoy some Dead of Winter, so I'm interested to see if the streak of kind of getting Duncan on board with these slasher movies can continue. Two in a row would be nice. Um, I don't think I'm asking too much, am I? We'll, we'll find out after the first break. But before we get to that, as always, welcome to the show, ladies and gents. Welcome, welcome. This is the last episode of a three-episode week. And um, we have a lot planned this month. March was fun. April was crazy. May is fun. That's how I'm going to describe it. We're having a breezy month, but delivering hopefully some quality content for your listening pleasure out there, ladies and gents. We will be returning, of course, tomorrow with our next episode in the Andy Loves Art House series of reviews. And we're tackling a little J-horror for you. A little Art House J-horror movie called Spiral from 2001 so get yourself ship shape and bristol fashion for the episode when it lands in your inbox tomorrow we'll then be following that up with a little bonus review on thursday and then of course the continuation of our 88 films italian collection series on the sunday so there we go there we go nice short sharp intro to this episode which will be a nice short sharp episode because it turns out these slasher movies Ain't a lot to hang your hat on. So, yeah, I'm going to take a very short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for X-Ray. When we return, we're discussing that movie right after this. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions, or The Purge which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, guys. Oh, oh hey, Producer, producer Michael. Michael uh, well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed.
And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for this number nine of the 88 Films Slasher Classic Collection. This is X-Ray. That's right. Um, according to the 88 Films website, it says, few of the slasher flicks from the genre's golden age can match X-Ray's gloriously gory mix of masked maniac menace and intestinal opening extravagance. This medical nightmare has the Iconic playboy pin-up Barbie Benton attending an appointment at the most horrendous hospital imaginable. Um, perhaps a damning indictment of the American Health Service, a beautiful brunette is not permitted to leave her ward, subjected to a series of body inspections and blood tests, and stopped from corridor to corridor by a strange weapon-wielding psychopath. Expertly directed by Boaz Davidson, producer of the Expendable series and originally released by the notorious Schlockmeisters at Canon Films, X-Ray remains one of the most demented slice and dice epics ever unleashed. The special features for this disc were a brand new interview with the director Boaz Davidson, a brand new interview with the cinematographer Nicholas Josef von Sternberg, a brand new audio commentary with Justin Kerswell, author of The Teenage Wasteland, and Callum Waddle, director of Slice and Dice, the slasher film Forever, the usual 88 Films trailer reel, and of course the reversible artwork. Um, the technical specs for the Blu-ray, it's region locked to region B, picture format 1080p HD 185.1, and the audio format is LPCM stereo, language is English, and um, so no no subtitles or anything like that on this disc and the runtime is an hour and a half so nice and short yeah nice and short kinda love it kinda love it but did I love the movie that's a completely different question well the, the one thing I will say about this is Canon at least spend money on their movies X-Ray actually surprisingly holds up in not only the effects department but the cinematography uh, department as well so I'm quite glad that they actually did an interview with a cinematographer for this one because of all the movies I've seen in the slasher and you can't see me doing the air quotes the slasher category the reason I'm doing the quotes is last week was not a slasher movie but slasher category um, I, a lot of them leave a lot to be desired when it comes to the camera work uh, but the camera work in this one actually looks legit good like really kind of more top tier stuff and I think just in general the kind of remaster and work they've done here is really really good and the, the effects also really really good so for the most part I am yeah I'm happy I'm a happy guy when it comes to that you take a lot of the pressure I get for being notoriously fickle if you get some good camera work in there you get some good practical effects in there as well added to the mix surprisingly um, Barbie Benton even though she is a former playboy is actually a pretty good actress as well, and I don't mean to sound like demeaning or derogatory when I say that. You just tend to find that when they put centrefolds in movies, they're usually there for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's tits. You know, they'll get their tits out, the, the, the male libido audience will go through the roof, and everyone is happy in this kind of little grimy little subgenre of horror. But she actually acts pretty well in this movie, C convincing enough that in some scenes I genuinely felt that she was uh, you know, under threat um, and kind of threatened for her own life. So for, for those points, I'm quite thankful. The killer is 
like gleefully camp in a way which I also really enjoyed. And there's actually surprisingly a decent sense of humour, although I get the feeling it's probably unintentional. I get the feeling that this movie was trying to play more into this is a creepy slasher movie and what comes across is it's a bit of a campy slasher movie and I think a lot of that comes down to its age. I mean, it's an older movie, so what was kind of seen as being menacing in one decade starts to become a bit less menacing and by you know two or three decades removed become a bit twee and this movie kind of lands in there. I did like some of the setups as well, some of the deaths in general. I love the idea anything set in a hospital usually has me on board because you have an endless supply of kind of medical gear to use and most of it is dangerous and kind of scary. So you put it in that setting and it works. Also the idea of those long corridors, the lights in the ceiling, like someone could be anywhere, hiding under anything. You know, things are deliberately covered with sheets. So as a result, when you're watching them, you kind of have that feeling that it could be under there, it could be behind the doors. You know, all these things. I mean, there is a reason that a movie like Exorcist 3 has one of the most iconic jump scare scenes of all time set in a hospital because just that environment, the way you can place a camera, the way you can set up things works really, really well. So for that, I actually quite enjoyed that as well. The story, it has to be said, is a bit thin, and I mean, I have seen thinner. This is certainly not, I could shoot peas through it thin, but it is kind of thin, and I, you know, that's, to be honest, that's just something that I'm going to have to get over when watching these movies. I don't mind a thin plot as long as you're doing everything else well, and I'll give Boaz Davidson his credit he is actually a really good director some of the choices in here really 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 worked and for that I you know I'm eternally thankful for what they've done there isn't really much a kind of hold your or hang your hat on so to speak or, or kind of hold your hat up to catch when it comes to this movie it follows the formula pretty much tick by tick through the playbook um, and when I watched this movie, I watched it at the weekend, kind of three sheets to the wind, which probably made my appreciation for it maybe slightly higher than some of the others, where I went in kind of cold, kind of stone cold sober and sat down and grimaced through most of it, saying, I'll just fucking do something. This movie didn't have those issues. If anything, this movie just kind of breezed along. An hour and a half is perfect timing for this. I mean, you strip out the credits either side, you're looking at about an hour and 25 to maybe about an hour and 20 all in for a movie like this and that's how long a slasher movie should be unless you have a really really cool setup or a really interesting backstory which is going to give you know the audience pause to go back and find out more so this movie doesn't really do that I mean it kind of kind of hoists itself on a very shaky peg in terms of, in terms of its narrative but it surprisingly holds together I, that was the thing that keeps and you probably hear it in my my voice. The thing that kept coming away from my viewing of this movie is I genuinely expected this movie to be dreadful, even though Canon were involved with it. Canon were known to put their names to some pretty fucking bad movies. And I was expecting, you know, like we're coming off Dead of Winter, a movie that I really enjoyed because it leaned into the camp and because it wasn't really a slasher movie. I kind of moved into this one thinking, well, here we go, let's see what this one's got. And I already could feel the kind of cringe factor slip in maybe even in the first five minutes. And I just settled into it and I let the movie wash over me and it's very well put together. It's nothing new, it's very formulaic, but the formula that it does kind of hold on to, it follows fairly stringent to. 
Um, and like I say, the effects were the bit that got me because, I mean, it doesn't overdo the effects, but it doesn't need to. But when you want a bit of gore, the movie delivers. And the killer himself is just really schlocky and really funny and in a way which, once again, I don't necessarily think the movie was aiming for, but in a way that I could kind of get behind. It has a lot going for it in that capacity, and in a lot of respects, it turned out to be a better watch than I expected. The, like I say, cinematography is really good. The score itself is actually pretty fun for the movie as well. It kind of plays a little bit overdramatic at times, but in a way which kind of works for it. And I found myself at the end of it saying I could really pick holes in this bit and this bit, but I kind of wanted to be on the movie's side, which is very much unlike some of the other movies we have covered thus far in the series, where I just couldn't wait to put my steel toe cap boot on and start giving it a booting. This movie, I was like, actually, you know what? Fucking fair play to them. Canon, doing what Canon did, is, is obvious and clear nowadays why that company went under, because they were just spreading themselves out far too thin, but I can't imagine the budget on this movie was huge, but what they did was they entrusted it to a team that kinda knew what they were doing, and kinda gave the audience what they wanted. Uh, Barbara Benton is fucking stunning. She's a really, really, really beautiful woman, and um, like I say, surprising, surprising to me, uh, she holds her own in the camera, very, very, um, very alluring in the camera, you know what I mean, like, you, you really do get in a position where you feel yourself falling into a performance, which I quite like. So yeah, not a lot that I can say. This is as middle of the road as you get for slashers for me. I would love to be the guy to, to be like, this was a revelation and everyone needs to add this to their list. I will say if you've been going through the list of slasher movies along with me, you're probably at a stage where you're like that, why are we still doing these, Duncan? Can we get rid of them? Please, 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 or oh God make it stop. I can imagine that's maybe where you are, but what I will say is I thought this movie was very, very entertaining um, and it breezed through. It did not even feel an hour and a half. felt like about an hour and then it was done. Once again, alcohol may have helped that. So all in all, I give it a three and a half out of five. I, like, I found myself really enjoying it. Will I ever go back to it? I have no idea. Considering this is 1981 as well, and we're at the almost the pinnacle of the the heyday, the slasher movie. This is a surprisingly well put together movie, which doesn't lean into like, oh, it's Mother's Day and Father's Day and Anniversary and April Fool's Day and Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween and all those schlocky things. This one's just a straight down the road slasher, and it does it surprisingly well. So there we go. Told you, nice short review. Not a lot to say about this movie at all, uh, except I enjoyed it while I watched it and will probably never watch it again. Right, I'm going to close out the show and I'm going to do it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been this number nine of the Slasher Classics collection by ET Films. We're looking at X-Ray. Coming up, ladies and gents, in two weeks' time. Oh dear. <laughs> I knew it was coming, because I remember buying this one and thinking to myself, we're gonna be reliving the nasties all over again. Disc number ten in the collection is the Boogeyman. Yep. That's right, a lot of video nasty action for you. Now, surprisingly, their website for 88 Films has removed uh, the listing for the Blu-ray, so all they have on their page is the DVD, which is 
mm, I, I mean the special features might not be right and certainly the the technical specs won't be correct so we'll be reading from the box by the time we come to do the review so what we'll do is we'll just jump into the, the bit of blurb that they have on the movie itself it says an original UK video nasty Uli Lomel's creepy classic The Boogeyman returns to British shelves in this stunning HD remaster completely uncut and uncensored in this 80s slasher sicky, the spirit of a sleazy psychosexual madman is trapped in a mirror during the night of his death. Years later, this evil entity is freed when the glass is destroyed, allowing our invisible prowler to slice and dice his way through a bevy of helpless teenagers and the family of people who caused his untimely demise. Featuring a cameo appearance from horror legend John Carradine, and an alluring leading lady turned from the sexy scream queen Susanna Love, The Boogeyman was a critical and commercial smash upon its original 1980 release. Now, decades after this sleepy spook show first disturbed censors across the world, The Boogeyman is ready to haunt your living room all over again. Don't say you weren't warned. So yeah, I did this movie for the Video Nasties podcast that I had called Doing the Nasty. I have not watched it since, and that was the first time I had seen it. If memory serves, and I'm trying to cast my memory back, I thought it wasn't very good. So I will be interested to see if revisiting it with a better master, because I think I watched this one on YouTube, will do anything for me. I will say that it has a bit of a reputation with me and that the sequel, uh, Return of the Boogeyman, is what, it's one third of this movie played over again. So, and that kind of shows you the, the kind of reverence they have for these sort of movies. So that, ladies and gents, will be winging its way to you in um, approximately two weeks' time. Uh, the only saving grace for this movie, if memory serves, is under an hour and a half long. So it's super short, so let's get in and get this one done. So yeah, two weeks' time, we'll be covering The Boogeyman. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, if you come across and check us out on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the feed. That way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of Teapot's content as well as leave us a rating and a review over there, please, because that really does help what we do. You can also check us out at Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn and Spotify. You can visit our website. It's teapotscast.com. You can also, if you want, support us by giving us some money and getting some cool merch out of that. Enamel pins and posters can be purchased from our Big Cartel page, tputzcast.bigcartel.com. You can come across to Facebook and join in the mad action over there. We have a group page where the listeners hang out, chat horror and all that jazz. Uh, to join that one, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. If you are on Facebook, you can't be bothered with any of that nonsense. You only want to know as and when the shows are dropping. You want to check out the occasional live stream or a Thursday Thursday, then that's the Facebook page you want, facebook.com forward slash tputzcast. You can interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at TeaputsCast. The podcast Under the Stairs will return, ladies and gents, for your listening pleasure tomorrow with the next instalment of our Andy Loves Art House series of reviews, looking at a little early 2000s J-horror art house number called Spiral. But until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs and I am signing off.
心。